The Letter to the Hebrews, Chapters 5 through 9, from the 20th Century New Testament. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by J. A. Carter, www.authenticlight.org. The 20th Century New Testament, by a company of about 20 scholars. The Letter to the Hebrews. Chapters 5 through 9. Chapter 5. Every high priest taken from among men is appointed as a representative of his fellow men in their relations with God to offer both gifts and sacrifices in expiation of sins. And he is able to sympathize with the ignorant and deluded, since he is himself subject to weakness and is therefore bound to offer sacrifices for sins not only for the people, but equally so for himself. Nor does any one take that high office upon himself till he has been called to do so by God, as Aaron was. In the same way, even the Christ did not take the honor of the high priesthood upon himself, but he was appointed by him who said to him, Thou art my son, this day I have become thy father. And on another occasion also, Thou art a priest for all time of the order of Melchizedek, Jesus, in the days of his earthly life, offered prayers and supplications with earnest cries and with tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his devout submission. Son though he was, he learnt obedience from his sufferings, and being made perfect he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, while God himself pronounced him a high priest of the order of Melchizedek. Now, on this subject I have much to say but it is difficult to explain it to you, because you have shown yourselves so slow to learn. For whereas, considering the time that has elapsed, you ought to be teaching others, you still need someone to teach you the very alphabet of the divine revelation, and need again to be fed with milk instead of with solid food. For everyone who still has to take milk knows nothing of the teaching of righteousness. He is a mere infant. But solid food is for Christians of mature faith, those whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish right from wrong. Chapter 6. Therefore let us leave behind the elementary teaching about the Christ, and press on to perfection, not always laying over again a foundation of repentance for a lifeless formality, of faith in God, teaching concerning baptisms, and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and a final judgment. Yes, and with God's help we will. For if those who were once for all brought into the light, and learnt to appreciate the gift from heaven, and came to share in the Holy Spirit, and learnt to appreciate the beauty of the divine message and the new powers of the coming age, if those, I say, fell away, it would be impossible to bring them again to repentance. They would be crucifying the Son of God all over again for themselves, and exposing Him to open contempt ground that drinks in the showers that from time to time fall upon it, and produces vegetation useful to those for whom it is tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is regarded as worthless, it is in danger of being cursed, and its end will be the fire. But about you, dear friends, even though we speak in this way, we are confident of better things, of things that point to your salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget the work that you did, and the love that you showed in his name in sending help to your fellow Christians, as you are still doing. But our great desire is that every one of you should be equally earnest to attain to a full conviction that our hope will be fulfilled, and that you should keep that hope to the end. 
then you will not show yourselves slow to learn but you will copy those who through faith and patience are now entering upon the enjoyment of god's promises when god gave his promise to abraham since there was no one greater by whom he could swear he swore by himself his words were i will assuredly bless thee and increase thy numbers and so after patiently waiting abraham obtained the fulfillment of god's promise men of course swear by what is greater than themselves and with them an oath is accepted as putting a matter beyond all dispute and therefore god in his desire to show with unmistakable plainness to those who were to enter on the enjoyment of what he had promised the unchangeableness of his purpose bound himself with an oath for he intended us to find great encouragement in these two unchangeable things which make it impossible for god to prove false we i mean who fled for safety where we might lay hold on the hope set before us this hope is a very anchor for our souls secure and strong and it reaches into the sanctuary that lies behind the curtain where jesus our forerunner has entered on our behalf after being made for all time a high priest of the order of melchizedek chapter seven it was this melchizedek king of salem and priest of the most high god who met abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and gave him his blessing and it was to him that abraham allotted a tithe of all the spoil the meaning of his name is king of righteousness and beside that he was also king of salem which means king of peace there is no record of his father or mother or lineage nor again of any beginning of his days or end of his life in this he resembles the son of god and stands before us as a priest whose priesthood is continuous consider then the importance of this melchizedek to whom even the patriarch abraham himself gave a tithe of the choicest spoils those descendants of levi who are from time to time appointed to the priesthood are directed to collect tithes from the people in accordance with the law that is from their own brothers although they are also descended from abraham but melchizedek although not of this lineage received tithes from abraham and gave his blessing to the very man who had god's promises now no one can dispute that it is the superior who blesses the inferior in the one case the tithes are received by mortal men in the other case by one about whom there is the statement that his life still continues moreover in a sense even levi who is the receiver of the tithes has through abraham paid tithes for levi was still in the body of his ancestor when melchizedek met abraham if then perfection had been attainable through the levitical priesthood and it was under this priesthood that the people received the law why was it still necessary that a priest of a different order should appear a priest of the order of melchizedek and not of the order of aaron with the change of the priesthood a change of the law became a necessity and he of whom all this is said belonged to quite a different tribe no member of which has ever served at the altar for it is plain that our lord has sprung from the tribe of judah though of that tribe moses said nothing about their being priests all this becomes even yet plainer when we remember that a new priest has appeared resembling melchizedek and that he was appointed not under a law regulating only earthly matters but by virtue of a life beyond the reach of death for that is the meaning of the declaration thou art for all time a priest of the order of melchizedek on the one hand we have the abolition of a previous regulation as being both inefficient and useless for the law never brought anything to perfection and on the other hand we have the introduction of a better hope which enables us to draw near to god then again the appointment of this new priest was ratified by an oath which is not so with the levitical priests but his appointment was ratified by an oath when god said to him 
the Lord has sworn and will not change. Thou art a priest for all time. And the oath shows the corresponding superiority of the covenant of which Jesus is appointed the surety. Again, new Levitical priests are continually being appointed because death prevents their remaining in office. But Jesus remains for all time, and therefore the priesthood that he holds is never liable to pass to another. And that is why he is able to save perfectly those who come to God through him, living forever, as he does, to intercede on their behalf. This was the high priest that we needed, holy, innocent, spotless, withdrawn from sinners, exalted above the highest heaven, one who has no need to offer sacrifices daily as those high priests have, first for their own sins and then for those of the people. For this he did once and for all, when he offered himself as the sacrifice. The law appoints as high priests men who are liable to infirmity. But the words of God's oath, which was later than the law, named the Son as, for all time, the perfect priest. Chapter 8. To sum up what I have been saying. Such is the high priest that we have, one who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God's majesty in heaven, where he ministers in the sanctuary, in that true tabernacle, set up by the Lord and not by man. Every high priest is appointed for the purpose of offering gifts and sacrifices to God. It follows, therefore, that this high priest must have some offering to make. If he were, however, still upon earth, he would not even be a priest, since there are already priests who offer the gifts as the law directs. These priests, it is true, are engaged in a service which is only a copy and shadow of the heavenly realities, as is shown by the directions given to Moses when he was about to construct the tabernacle. Look to it, are the words, that thou make every part in accordance with the pattern shown thee on the mountain. But Jesus, as we see, has obtained a ministry as far excelling theirs as the covenant of which he is the intermediary, based as it is on better promises, excels the former covenant. If that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second. But finding fault with the people, God says, Behold, a time is coming, says the Lord, when I will ratify a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, not such a covenant as I made with their ancestors on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not abide by their covenant with me, and therefore I disregarded them, says the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will impress my laws on their minds and will inscribe them on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. There shall be no need for every man to instruct his fellow citizen, or for a man to say to his brother, Learn to know the Lord. For every one will know me, from the lowest to the highest, for I will be merciful to their wrongdoings, and I will no longer remember their sins. By speaking of a new covenant, God at once renders the former covenant obsolete, and whatever becomes obsolete and loses its force is virtually annulled. Chapter 9 it is true that even the first covenant had its regulations for divine worship and its sanctuary, though only a material one. For a tabernacle was constructed with an outer part which contained the stand for the lamps and the table and the consecrated bread. This is called the sanctuary. The part of the tabernacle behind the second curtain is called the inner sanctuary. In it is the gold incense altar and the ark containing the covenant completely covered with gold. In the ark is a gold casket, containing the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets on which the covenant was written, while above it, and overshadowing the cover on which atonement was made, are the cherubim of the presence. I must not now dwell on these things in detail. Such, then, 
was the arrangement of the tabernacle. Into the outer part, priests are constantly going in the discharge of their sacred duties. But into the inner, only the high priest goes, and that but once a year, and never without taking the blood of a victim which he offers on his own behalf and on behalf of the errors of the people. By this the Holy Spirit is teaching that the way into the sanctuary was hidden as long as the outer part of the temple still remained, for that was only a type to continue down to the present time, and in keeping with it both gifts and sacrifices are offered, though incapable of satisfying the conscience of the worshipper, the whole system being concerned only with food and drink and various ablutions, external ceremonials imposed until the coming of the new order. But when Christ came, he appeared as high priest of that better system which was established, and he entered through that nobler and more perfect tabernacle not made by human hands, that is to say, not a part of this present creation. Nor was it with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood that he entered once and for all into the sanctuary and obtained our eternal deliverance. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer purify those who have been defiled, as far as ceremonial purification goes, how much more will the blood of the Christ, who through his eternal Spirit offered himself up to God as a victim without blemish, purify our consciences from a lifeless formality and fit us for the service of the living God? And that is why he is the intermediary of a new covenant, in order that, as a death has taken place to effect deliverance from the offenses committed under the first covenant, those who have received the call may obtain the eternal inheritance promised to them. Whenever such a covenant as a will is in question, the death of the testator must of necessity be alleged, for such a covenant takes effect only upon death. It does not come into force as long as the testator is alive. This explains why even the first covenant was not ratified without the shedding of blood. For when every command had been announced to all the people by Moses in accordance with the law, he took the blood of the calves and of the goats with water, scarlet wool, and a bunch of hyssop, and sprinkled even the book of the law, as well as all the people, saying as he did so, This is the blood that renders valid the covenant which God has commanded to be made with you. And in the same way he also sprinkled with blood the tabernacle and all things that were used in public worship. Indeed, under the law almost everything is purified with blood, and unless blood is shed, no forgiveness is to be obtained. While then it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly realities to be purified by such means as these, the heavenly realities themselves required better sacrifices. For it was not into a sanctuary made by human hands, which merely foreshadowed the true one that Christ entered, but into heaven itself, that he might now appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor yet was it to offer himself many times, as year after year the high priest entered the sanctuary with an offering of blood, but not his own blood. For then Christ would have had to undergo death many times since the creation of the world. But now, once and for all, at the close of the age, he has appeared in order to abolish sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is ordained for men to die but once, death being followed by judgment, so it is with the Christ. He was offered up once and for all to bear away the sins of many. And the second time he will appear, but without any burden of sin, to those who are waiting for him to bring salvation. End of the Letter to the Hebrews, Chapters 5 through 9